believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. What's on your mind? He goes, I'll tell you what's on my mind. He knew exactly what was on his mind and exactly what he wanted. That's a vision. So we say faith and focus. Focus is a vision. But you got to have faith. So you have faith. Here I am, Lord, I'm mine. Then you get the focus. Then I thought friendship up here is to be friendly. Because people perceive Christians right now as against them if they're not Christian. Jesus was a friend. And there's a friend that sticks closer to a brother. And I thought, you know, what we need is we don't need to compromise the faith, but we want to be friendly. Jesus made friends wherever he went. I mean, of course, he had, had his headbutts with the religious hypocrites, but even then he, Simon, you know, well, I came to your house, did you anoint my head? Did you do something? You know, this woman's washed my feet with her hair and her tears. Like, even then he was still teaching. I thought, well, you know, everyone loves a friendly person because a friendly person is kind of, they, they ask you questions about you instead of you telling them. A friendly person asks someone about their life. I want to know more about you. But a self-serving person is like, it's all about me and this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. So a friendly person is, to be a friend, one must be friendly. So well, I want to be a friendly person, and then I want to have fruit, right? So those are my four Fs, right? So faith, focus, friendly, fruit. This is my latest four square. But I thought, to get to fruit, real fruit for eternity, you've got to have faith. And you've got to have clarity of purpose to be proactive in the calling. And then you, 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 it's all about people and relationships, so for me, I just think in simple terms. And, but in thinking about the journey, I was like, if you do these things on the journey, you have a vision. You're, you know you're called to live by faith, so you're going to get and get after it. You have a sense of vision of what the day holds, what the week holds, what the months hold, the year. And, you, and you've got ideas. You, you, you're like, hey, after the men's ministry today, I was just thinking like all these ideas. Like, hey, this is what we need. To, this is where we're at. This is, where we, this, this is the first step in where we want to go. Like that's, that's faith. And, you know, talking with people, this, this is it. So Mount Seir is a place where you don't have faith. Mount Seir is a place where you don't have vision. Mount Seir is a place where you're not friendly because you don't care. It's just you. And Mount Seir is definitely not the place of fruit. Because how much fruit can you have when you're going in circles in the desert doing nothing? So Mount Seir, the relationship of Israel with Mount Seir was a difficult one. And the way you pull out of Mount Seir, if that's us or me or a church or anybody is just, the Lord says, you screwed it long enough. Turn northward. You have to turn. Something has to turn. When you're in a rut. When we were in Japan a couple of years ago at the World Surfing Games, the very first day we had this team of athletes together, the two Hawaiian girls and a couple of the guys from California and stuff. And we all came together. We met the Hawaiian girls at the airport at Narita Airport. And we were on the bus. And we got our rental car. And uh, I, I, I was backing up on these, these super narrow roads in Japan. If you've ever been to Japan, it's like super, in the village is super narrow. And uh, I, 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 I was backing up, and we went off. And we're in a, we're in a rut. We're in a true rut. And uh, 
Everyone had a good attitude about it. We'd been traveling for like 36 hours as they all got out and we're trying to get out of this rut. And um, they kept saying, you got to turn the wheel the other way. We had to change the direction to get out of the rut. We had to change the direction to get out of the rut. And we did. And we got out of the rut. And uh, old Kevin Schultz, the the really good surfer from San San Clemente, said, this was a team effort exercise for Team USA. I said, exactly. It's exactly what it was. It was actually Joey just backing up, not seeing the rut. (laughs) But it was a good rut. It was a pretty good rut. Like the van was like this. But but I was turning the wheel the wrong way. Like you got to turn the wheel the other way. That's how you get out of the rut. God says, turn. Turn and go north. Because you're going in circles, you're just going like this. So you got to change the direction. And what's repentance? It's a turning. It's a 180 degree turn. So if you feel like you've been at Mount Seir personally or just envisioning like that, we got we to get back to basics and we got to turn and we got to go from things that distract us and, and hinder us. We got to turn from those things that are uh, obstructing us and we got to turn and get going in the right direction to the next step, the next thing that's what God wants to do in our life. That's what we have to do. That's what we need to do. We also see the relationship with their brethren, the Edomites and the Moabites. So the Edomites, of course, were the descendants of Esau. So Esau was Jacob's brother. Israel is Jacob. His name was Jacob. God changed his name to Israel. The 12 tribes come from him. Esau was his twin, but uh, not look like twins. And the Edomites came from them, the Israelites from there. And God gave them land. He gave them their territory. And God says, Israel, that's not your territory. Don't meddle with them. They're afraid of you. Don't harass them. Don't meddle with them. Then the land there of Moab, that, that particular land was the descendants of Lot, the nephew of Aaron. So if you go, Abraham. So if you go up the flow chart, you have Father Abraham, the father of all the Jews, and his brother's son was Lot, and that land belonged to them. God promised them. So basically, next to the promised land were two large territories that God had given to other descendants from the household of Abraham. Now, they weren't the people of covenant, but they were descendants, and God gave them things and promised them things. In this text of chapter 2 and 3, of chapter 2, actually, God says, this is what I've given them. It is theirs. It is not for you. It is theirs. It is not for you. And God says, therefore, do not meddle with them. Do not harass them. Uh, or as we might say in 2020 and 2019, stay in your lane and stay out of their lane. It's other people's business. It's other people's stuff. It's not your stuff. It's not your territory. It's not your business. So you go there and you try and buy the food and try and buy the water. You don't take anything. You respect them. You respect their place, their being, their purpose, my calling on their life, what I have for them. You respect their boundaries. Stay in your lane and do exactly what I tell you. This is important in our journey too because we don't want to meddle in other people's stuff in our journey. Life is too short to, to meddle with other people's business. Now, when you're young, you don't maybe necessarily think that. But when you get older, you only got so much gas in the tank and you just don't want to spend it up spinning your wheels trying to please other people and their business. No one likes a busybody and no one likes a meddler and a gossip. And that's what's, of course, we've talked about this. That's what's been really hard in 2020 is there's been so much meddling. Everyone's got an opinion about everybody else 
and the decisions they're making in their leadership or their authority, whether it's spiritual or political or family or whatever. Everyone's got an opinion. And it, it's, it's really been difficult for the body of Christ this last year because there's been so much meddling and just stirring up trouble for other people that's none of our business. One thing that the Calvary Chapel Association did early on during the pandemic is Don McClure, who many of you know and who I respect very much, he sent out a letter early on. He said, look, there's no uniformitarian statement to guide the Calvary Chapels at this time. He says, because we are in many different countries, we're in many different states, and we're facing many different regulations and circumstances, not only on a state level, but on a county or city level. We're dealing with mayors, city health departments. We're dealing with county board of supervisors. We're dealing with all, we're just dealing with very different, even different types of state government structures. Who's making the final say? And he said, so the advice they gave, and then there was silence almost until Christmas time. The advice they gave was, seek the Lord, you and your leadership for your church, where you live, as God is guiding you to guide you through this. And that's exactly what we did. That was good counsel. And that's what we did. And I think we've stayed out of a lot of stuff. Uh, Obviously, I got worked up more than once about stuff. As I said before, most of it was during announcements, so I didn't have too many edits on the studies. But we all got worked up. You know, there's things that got us worked up. I mean, it was frustrating. We've never seen anything like this. But as it played out in the latter part of last year, it was hard is watching church attack and meddle in other people's business. I don't do a whole lot of social media anymore, but in the back end of last year, there's a certain Jesus type of people I quit following because they weren't so Jesus type anymore. And they felt like it was their purpose to, to be judge and jury of all these other people in their ministries. And I, I got sick of it, to be honest. I, it made me sick. I just got sick of it. I said, we should just be focused on what we're called to do and, and do it well, and then we'll naturally flow. It's like an orchestra. If we're playing our instrument properly in conjunction with the conductor, then the cello, the piccolo, the drums, the violin, the cello, it's, the French horn, it sounds beautiful. It sounds like Mozart. It's beautiful. But if I'm playing my French horn and I'm critiquing Mr. Trombone over here, then I'm off, I'm off cadence. If we just stay on cadence for our walk with the Lord and our house with the Lord and our church with the Lord, we'll do just fine. There's a cadence. There's a flow that God has for each one of us. And that's what we need to be walking in. That's what Paul had in mind when he wrote the Thessalonians concerning the will of God. And he went on to say that, uh, that we should uh, aspire to live a quiet, peaceful life, mind our own business, and, and just aspire to live a quiet, peaceful life. And life's a lot easier when you're just seeking the Lord, you fear the Lord, and you do the right things from the Lord. And you let God take care of his servants. It's like it's, Paul said to the Romans, who are you to judge another master's servants? He's able to make a servant stand or fall. Now, hopefully we're getting past that. I'd like to think that I, I don't want to be critical of, of anybody. I, I don't know. If there's a mega church that hasn't reopened, they may have things going on that I don't know. Who am I to say why they haven't reopened? Maybe it's breaking their heart, but maybe there's things behind the scenes that they just cannot open. We don't know. That's between them and the Lord. If there's little churches that no longer exist, that seems really sad, but what do I know? What do you know? If that's what the Lord allowed for someone in a certain area, and that's the way it ended, and that's how it goes, then he's got something different for those people. 
Titus didn't stay in Crete forever, and Timothy didn't stay in Ephesus forever. Nothing stays the same. And so we need just to just, to, to just let, that, let that play out. So in considering other people's things and other people's factors, well, when it comes, again, I, I'm just going to say what we all know the Bible teaches. So we're to pray for leaders. We're to pray for leaders. A real good gauge is if, if we say about political people, if we talk about them more than we pray for them, that's not a good sign. Right there, that's a bad sign. Because we're called to pray for them. Above all else. So even as Caesar Nero was doing what he did to the church, they were still praying for him. Now, we didn't live in that situation, nor do they live in our situation. I just know that if I'm praying for our leaders, I'm in obedience to God's word. If I make myself judge and jury of God's, of, of a leaders that only can come from the Lord, good or bad, then I need to be really careful. Now, obviously in our country, we have freedom of speech and we can say things like, we can speak freely about our political leaders and hopefully not be arrested. When Pasha was here, he was talking about, you know, there's been a lot of uprising in Russia over Putin and different things. And Putin's main rival, you know, they tried to poison him and then he went back and, and he's under house arrest. And so there, if you don't know much what's going on in Russia, they've been having like some large protests in the streets. Well, Pasha's kid almost got grabbed because the young people out there saying, you know, you should be able to disagree with the president. And, and that, that the Russian Federation allows for that. Well, technically it does, but kind of doesn't. And they had, un, they had people in civilian clothes grabbing people, protesting, and throwing them in vans. But now those people are fighting back with lawyers against that, that that happened. But that's Russia. But like in Saudi Arabia, are you going to protest the king? <laughs> Go for it if you want to. But again, it's like different countries have different standards and different things. And we do have those freedoms. And we're allowed to use those freedoms. And we should use those freedoms. It's the marketplace of thought. I kept talking to Pasha about the marketplace of thought, where you have comparative ideas. And for a Russian that grew up during the Soviet Union, that's a hard thing to wrap his mind around. He'd be like, explain one more time. <laughs> so basically, I have my thoughts, you have your thoughts, and there's other thoughts. And we put them all out there, and we talk about these thoughts, and we look at them from uh, pros and cons, and we come together as a majority what thought we think is the best thought to guide a people. That's democracy in the marketplace of thought. Now, totalitarian is, doesn't matter what you think, it's by force. So either thoughts rule and reign over a people or force rule and reigns over a people. That's all he understands. We don't. So don't misunderstand me. I appreciate our freedoms. I like our freedoms. I'd like to keep those freedoms. And I'd like to see increased freedom. Believe me, I'm less government, more personal free choice. Nonetheless, though, the Bible teaches us that we pray for those in an authority and we forgive those who spitefully use us and abuse us. That's the word of the Lord for our journey. So we don't need to meddle. If we're going to be fruitful in our journey, just know what, what is our stuff and focus on our stuff and stay out of other people's stuff. Because nothing's worse than when you meddle with other people's stuff that God says, don't meddle with this stuff. That's not your stuff. Because then you get chastened, then you look stupid, and then you have to apologize. So this is better not to meddle and harass. It's better just to obey and stay in your lane as you're getting out of your rut from Mount Seir and headed north. Stay in your lane and just do it. And the final thing we see is uh, the, what is our battles. The third relationship is with the giants. And why does it have to be giants? <laughs> why does it have to be giants? Why can't we like, have battles against like, weak little people? It's got to be giants. Like, do you ever feel like that when you're serving the Lord? It's like, why do these things happen to us? Why does it feel like I'm in the Wizard of Oz and the flying monkeys are at my house? 
Because that's how it works when you live by faith. Every step forward in our journey with faith, every step from Mount Seir toward the promised land and crossing the Jordan River, it is a battle. But it's a battle that belongs to the Lord. And in the fullness of these verses that I did not read, I, I read the key verses of Sihon and Og, it, God explains that he hardened their heart because God wants to, God was bringing judgment on those kings, but he wanted to prove to Israel he was with them. It was the prelude before they go in to conquer the land. He wanted them to go into the land with confidence in him that he was going before them, that it was not their battle, it was the Lord's battle. And you might even say it's not even their judgment because it's not, it's God's judgment. It wasn't people's judgment against people. It was God's judgment against those people groups. And so they got to fight these battles. But in the text in chapter three, it says that the bed for Sihon was 13 feet long. All right, 13 feet. Why, is it, why do we have to fight someone that has a bed that's 13 feet? They're frame. They're literally giants. These are, these are the remnant of the superhumans. The, in the DNA, there are human beings that were like probably 13 feet. We're, we're a degeneration of the original Adam and Eve. I personally believe that they were much taller than most of us even could comprehend. I mean, the elephants were bigger. Horses were bigger. Lions were bigger, right? Like, God talks about these giants. And he says that the bed frame for Sihon was nine cubits, which is probably at least 13 feet. So, someday, it's like the movie that came out a couple years ago, Facing the Giants, right? Remember, it was a popular Christian movie, Facing Giants. We all face giants. But wouldn't you rather let God do something great through you and show himself great? So there's a wonderful testimony from it than just to do less than great or average. Like we always taught our kids to pursue excellence in whatever they did. And even when both our boys played baseball two years apart on seventh grade baseball teams that never won a game. I talk about this sometimes. You know, baseball season is a long season. It starts in January and goes to June. Six months is a long time for a 13-year-old boy to play baseball and never win a game. That's 30 games of going home a loser. But I made sure, by God's decree, I mean, Timmy was on a team like that in seventh grade, and then Luke was on a team like that, no relation to the first team. But I made sure those boys pursued excellence and never dumbed down to a losing record. I made sure that they were winners on losing teams. I made sure that they gave excellence regardless of what anyone did around them. I made sure they knew how many outs were on going on what the next play was, whether they're down by 20 runs, because Timmy's team sometimes were down by 20 runs in the third inning. You know, it's very humbling when the other team switch hits everybody because you're that bad. But we did get better, and no one was switch hitting against us in the last six games, and we didn't get mercyed anymore. We all face giants, and, and God allows us to face giants so our confidence is in him, and that we don't quit. Quitting is never, ever an option with the call of God, right? It is never an option to quit. It is never an option to quit. And we do face giants. They don't always have 13-foot bed frames either. Cancer, you can't even see the first cell. How many people do we know and love who have lost their life to cancer? Cancer's a giant. In all my study of human history, I cannot believe how many of the most powerful people in the world died painful deaths of cancer in previous centuries, in their 40s or their 50s. All that power, all that wealth, and they're a giant they couldn't even see within them took their life. How about drugs and alcohol? Boy, you know, you, you see, 
in Colorado, I, I noticed when I was at like uh, Circle K or whatever and, uh, at uh, Super King, the grocery store, two O's, Super. <laughs> it's a different world. That, that, that the, the, the one beer brand, instead of having a six-pack, they got the three-pack. And it looked really appealing. It's right there by the checkout stand. A little three-pack of... And I was like, wow, look at, look at that. That looks so harmless. Right? That can be someone's giant. That's my sister's giant. That's why she went to a meeting. You'd be reminded you can never go there. That will... Do, I've watched alcohol destroy so many people's lives and kill them. Destroy their liver, vital organs, their brain. Go insane. There's a lot of giants out there we have to fight. But the Lord fights those battles. Like when David charged for Goliath, he said, the battle belongs to the Lord. And so God allowed them in their journey to have to face giants. He goes, Edom, don't mess with them. Don't meddle with them. They're your brethren. Moab, don't mess with them. They're your distant cousins. That's theirs. I give them. But listen, I'll tell you, you're gonna, you know, and they, and would, it, it would seem if you look at the numbers of Israel versus Edom and Moab, that Israel had much superior numbers. Like, hey, we want to fight those guys. We can fight the brethren down the street. There's more of us than them. And their bed frames are six feet, not thirteen feet. Kind of like, no, that's not your battle. Your battle's right over here, Sihon and Og. It's like, what? <laughs> Why are we gonna fight the giants? But that's life: is fighting giants. When the courts rule against you, when you get a summons on a very complicated thing and you're dragged into someone else's drama, or you're managing someone else's estate when they passed away and you realize how many things they didn't do right. It's just so much anxiety. Or you have people that, ah, they just won't do the most common sense thing and you're affected by it. And no matter what you say to them, and you can't reason with them, they just won't listen to you. Or the giants, even on the journey, when you take steps of faith and you, you, you just move into something totally out of your realm and you thought, well, if everything went wrong, it would look like this because sometimes we think like that. Oh, I know what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And then it happens. And you're like, see, I told you so. But still the Lord's in it. Just because it goes away that, I mean, Paul, the Lord prepared Paul that when he got to Jerusalem, it was going to be a bad thing. But God said, I'll be bigger than that bad thing. I'll be with you in that bad thing. That's a giant. How'd you like to be on the way to Jerusalem? The prophet pulls out his belt and goes, this is you, dude. That's a giant. Now, I prefer the easy, hey, uh, Mr. Prophet, do you, do you have a different prophecy? Like how to think and grow rich, like that kind of prophecy? I mean, the belt saying I'm going in bondage and is not really like, I'm not feeling that one. But that is the giant that Paul would face. And in obeying the Lord and facing that giant, what do we get? We get the prison epistles. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. Those are pretty comforting books for the human experience, right? See, this journey for the 38 years after Cadis Brina, of everyone that was under 20 at Cadis Brina, so in that time, it takes them as old as 58 now to enter in. It all served a purpose. And, and their relationship with Mount Seir was, you don't live here, don't stay here, turn and get out of this rut and get moving toward the promises. The relationship with the brethren was like, these are your brethren and they're not, they're not the same as you. They're different than you. Respect them. Respect what I have for them. Respect their territories. Don't take anything from them. Don't meddle with them. And don't harass them. That's not you. And this, this is your battle. Because you will have battles. And these are warm-up battles for bigger battles. But I'm bigger than any walls you'll face. I'm bigger than any giants you'll face. And I'll see you through it because the battle is mine. And that's what he taught them on their journey for 38 years. 
So when you get to the book of Joshua and they're on the cusp of the promised land, they have been molded in shape for 38 years to know don't go in circles being carnal. Don't fight the wrong people that are your brethren. And don't be afraid of giants because the battle is the Lord's. And this is what we are to learn from Moses recounting of these events and this journey in chapters two and three tonight. So take heart, embrace the journey, embrace the process. And I know it's for the Jews in the wilderness wandering, but it's certainly, as it says in Corinthians, these things are written for our admonition, for our training, for our faith and our growth. And I'm certain for all of us here tonight, and certainly as a church, and for me personally, there are things that we can all learn from these three relationships that speak to us the fullness of what Christ will do in our life as we abide in him, as we seek him, as we obey him, as we go forward in him. Because of all the giants you could face, what is bigger than the cross and the grave itself? Is not the fear of death and the grave the greatest public execution? Jesus is our great high priest. There's never anything we face that he hasn't faced. And he's able to comfort us and guide us to the uttermost in whatever that is. So praise the Lord. We're not on the journey alone. We're on it with it each other. And the Lord Jesus is the author and finisher of it. And we can trust him in his faithfulness in all of it. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.